Welcome to the Digital Ninjas Podcast Music Edition, top hits and data trends for your digital journey. Traveling with us today is Andrew Artemenko, and we hope this puts a pep in your step and gets you singing along with your team of data analysts. Enjoy the episode. Did you ever read something and poof, a lyric from a song pops in your head? When I was reading some interesting big insights and data trends and catching up on some stats, Gartner style, these songs started popping into my head. I also did a little DJing in college, and I recently saw two friends in concert. So different than Frankie Knuckles, the godfather of house music. And to juggle today's topic and provide some helpful insights, we do not have the Soul Train scramble board for our listeners to guess our guests, but we crank up the BPMs and raise the roof for Andrew Artemenko. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? My name is Andrew Artemenko. I have been working in some form of digital marketing for the last 20 years or so. Just kind of watched the trends and worked for several different brands, mostly in financial services, and recently kind of jumped into the vendor side of the data and measurement world whether that's for data collaboration or targeting to help brands uh, reach their goals online and through their customer experiences. Excellent. And do you have a favorite music genre? Funny you mentioned when you said you were a DJ, I love electronic music. So I like house music, trance. My kids make fun of me because all of my Spotify music has no words. <laughs> so I don't know if it'll be. Are you ready for the American Bandstand's Raider record where you can now say that Digital Ninjas podcast has a good beat and you can dance to it? I'm ready. Crossfading from our first track. Never going to give data science up. Never going to let them down. Never going to. In 2007, Rick Astley became the subject of a viral internet meme called Rick Rolling. The meme is a type of bait and switch using a disguised hyperlink that leads to the never gonna give you up music video. Rick Rowling saw a massive resurgence online in the early 2020s in online classes on Zoom during the worldwide COVID-19 lockdown. Students often rickrolled their classmates and teachers. And for the digital journey, chief data offices should never give up on their data scientists and augment their learning to give them the tools that they need. Gartner says, by 2025, augmented consumerization functionality will drive adoption of analytics and business intelligence capabilities beyond 50% for the first time, influencing more business processes and decisions. So Andrew, will data analysts be stepping up to the mic and possibly moving from capturing today's, let's say, KPIs, key performance indicators, and investigating more data sources, doing more with augmented analytics? What do you think? That's a really good question. I think back to a pretty widely quoted cover page of The Economist that said, data is the new oil. And that was something that I think a few years ago, everyone was nodding their heads and saying, that sounds about right. We should be collecting every piece of data we can. And two things happened. One, both federal and state regulations started to come into play around consumer privacy, um, making it slightly less in vogue to track customers wherever they were, but the technology still existed to do it. And so whether you kind of found it ethical or not to track customers and, and take care of their privacy when analyzing, let's say, their 
have to purchase or websites they visited before they engaged with your experience. The second thing that happened was Google made an announcement to basically make it harder to track people where third party cookies or tracking tracking pixels were not able to be used if it was past the first website that you're visiting. Apple made some changes as well to uh, allowing software companies to track people on iPhones. So uh, the one-two punch was it's not good to track customers in a way that goes beyond their consent. And it's just getting harder and harder to see customers where they are. So we're seeing a switch from a really opportunistic, let's hoard as much data as we can to create this really rich 360 degree view of the customer to hang on a second. We may not be able to do this for legal reasons and for technical reasons, it's getting harder. So I think that I think it's a pretty big shift that's happened. And the shift would then cause data analysts to have to try other augmented pathways to get information or capture or utilize the information that they have? I think the, the net effect right now is like the so what, right? So so what can I still see? If, if I'm a marketing analyst, what is okay for me to observe and take action on. And that's not new, right? So restrictions on what you can do with consumer data, especially in industries that are highly regulated, like financial services, that's always been the case, right? You can't use certain variables when you make, for example, a targeted offer for credit. I think what we're seeing now is even outside the historically highly regulated industries, analysts have to be very careful what data they're sifting through. A specific example would be being able to track a user across five or six different websites using a third-party tracking pixel is something that's probably going away. And that's a huge shift because you used to be able to see all kinds of things that consumers are doing up until, you know, what they had for breakfast. And now that that view is getting dimmer, that's so going to change the the analysis that, that is going to be able to be performed. And as far as where folks might be looking for data, is that where the secondary market or third-party data comes in? Like there's now going to be specialized vendors that have information and will monetize it? I think that if you follow industry trade publications or if you read things like, you know, what I really like is Ad Exchanger. Um, it's pretty pretty neutral and, and good variety of topics. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are, say, you know, cookies are, cookies are going away. Cookies are dead. This is dead. And and I what I'm hearing from customers is like, okay, well, what's alive? <laughs> what, what gets to keep going? What can we still do? And I think thematically being customer centric with first party data that's been provided to you by the customer. And that could be things like email, my phone number, things that I have given permission to you to contact me for better servicing or preferred offers. Um, that's all okay. Going out to a third party and saying, what else can I know about this person? Could it be cultural thing? And, and there's kind of a gradient here. The further out you go to ask or to build or augment a customer profile away from what they initially consented and provided to you is going to become kind of off limits. I think that some of those things were hard to prove. I'm going to sell you a um, premium list of people who intend to get a checking account. Okay, right? Well, what does someone look like they intend to get a checking account, right? And are they eligible? Do they have the, you know, real world finances to um, appropriately apply for this product? 
So I think it is a kind of an attractive hazard. I don't want to say fool's gold, but clients are always looking for an edge and a competitive edge. And, and it kind of leads them further beyond, okay, well, I heard this from the customer, but can I add this other layer? And I think those layers are, are going to have to be inspected a little bit more deeply on where did you get this? And can I add it to this profile? It's interesting. It seems like the new path is authenticity with your customer. Just on the heels of AI and chat GPT replacing responses, including tone and conversational aspects, the true first-party data are those that your authentic customer relationship provides. I think it would be easy to assign virtue to a brand that says, I'm only going to look at data that my customers have provided to me. And there's kind of a tilting of the scale on some companies are just innately better at getting data from customers. So one example, one of the first times I ever heard the term zero party data. Zero party data means only the data that has explicitly been you know, handed to you on a postcard from that customer. Nothing else is allowed to be included. So a company that, that I first heard was doing that was Nike. I'm a huge fan. I dress my kids in Nike. I like their clothes. It's high quality. I don't want to say they're lucky. They built a wonderful brand, but I want to have a relationship with Nike. It, it pays me in, in you know, not just in, in kind of financial benefits, but I like that Nike knows me and can make really good recommendations on the next cool pair of shoes. Companies like Papa John's, Coca-Cola, Chipotle, cool brands, right? But I don't care if they know me and I'm not rushing to update my data and customer profile with them. But those companies that I just mentioned, whether they're retail, CPG, quick service restaurants, they're all on the same mission to get data, but it's harder for them to get it. And just the point that I'm making there is it's easy to say, well, Nike is just better marketers and better with data. I think that the deeper you know, theme here is there are some brands and some industries that are just going to be much faster along this path because they have that relationship. Um, and it may not necessarily mean they're more authentic. They're just in an industry where there's a value exchange of data that comes more easily or naturally to them. Interesting. All right. Let's hard swap this to the next track. It's raining data. Hallelujah. It's raining data. It's Raining Men by the Weather Girls. The music style is known as high NRG, pronounced high energy, which is post-disco that infused R&B, soul, and electronic dance music. And for the digital journey, Gartner says, by 2023, 60% of organizations will compose components for three or more analytic solutions to build decision-oriented applications infused with analytics that connect insights to actions. So Andrew, what's going on here in the connectivity space that may infuse inspiration here? That's a, that is a great question. And where I'm most recently focused in my kind of day-to-day job is how do marketers take a look at the landscape of applications, platforms, publishers, all the places where their customers are. Think of it as the digital street corner. And what's being massively disrupted is not not only the street corners where people hang out, right? Because it you know, it could be Facebook, it could be TikTok, Snap, Twitter. But marketers know that 
not only do they have to have a good idea of, are my customers in those places, but how do I reach them? And how do I observe how they're interacting with my content, advertisements, or offers? And there is this kind of plumbing underneath the internet that runs on a lot of legacy technology. So you'd mentioned 60% of organizations are going to have three or more analytics solutions. One of the kind of mega trends that we've seen is a consolidation into these massive marketing suites. And one of their promises, and, and look, I, I worked in this space and I made this promise too, was this kind of thy view of everything. Because look, we've got cookies flowing into this. We have customer data. There's all kinds of exhaust coming out of customer devices. This was probably three or four years ago. Why couldn't we see everything everyone was doing? And we've got a couple different things that we can log into, whether it's Adobe, Nielsen, Newstar, Oracle, maintaining that connection and running off of this available customer signal that's connecting brands to the places that they're advertising. And what's happening is a lot of those connections, for, for the reason that we mentioned earlier, for regulatory reasons and for privacy, are going dim. They're going dark. And so what brands are doing to maintain that customer connection is they're exploring direct relationships with the largest publishers like Disney or NBC or LinkedIn, which is owned by Microsoft, and they're sharing their data. I'm a big customer. I'm a big um, restaurant, bank, retail store, and they will match data with those publishers, their own CRM with those large publishers. And that's the way that they're maintaining a connection to their consumers and what they're doing, which is a really exciting space uh, with regards to connectivity. I'm loving that. Called data clean rooms. That's that is the one of the emerging privacy safe uh, methods for for connecting to consumer data. It's going to be hard to get marketers to consider a more focused view, even if it's more ethical and what we kind of call more future proof because it's not running on cookies. But there's a catch. Um, the catch is that each of these safe kind of analytic environments are one-to-one -one with publishers. So notice I didn't say, and then you can track people from website to website. The trade-off is going to be they're kind of like, you know, boxes of sand that are different colors. The sand is not allowed to mix. You can find out how your campaigns are doing on Disney and all of its properties, whether that's Hulu, ESPN, Disney Plus, or NBC and all of its properties. But you're not going to be able to connect that arc between everything the customer did that day and then draw some kind of holistic conclusion looking at all of that data. You can you can model that today with tools, but it'll be very interesting to see the balance of when an analyst or a data scientist says, I want the big broad view that I can go tell my CMO or a CFO, and I've got to be able to track some sort of signal across everywhere to see if my advertising is working, or I need to go really deep. I found something kind of odd in the numbers, say on, Disney or Spotify, I'm going to call them up. I'm going to match data with them and find out if there is data they have on my consumers or I can do some level of matching that will tell me an insight that's a little bit deeper. I don't think one will replace the other. I think it's going to be right tool for the job, but the nature of consumer connections is, is absolutely evolving. And it's a very exciting time. Wow. Hammer switch now. Hands across the data layers. The song Hands Across America included the band Toto. 
and on May 25, 1986, at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern, the song was played simultaneously across hundreds of radio stations. It went along with an actual event that same day where five million or so people attempted to form a continuous human train across the United States. Humanity's fabric together to show support. And for the digital economy, Gartner says by 2024, organizations that utilize active metadata to enrich and deliver a dynamic data fabric will reduce time to integrated data delivery by 50% and improve the productivity of data teams by 20%. So Andrew, what do you got for us on this one? Data segmentation, what is the evolution? Any things to look out for? So on this one, I think I spent a big part of my career working for an information services company that specialized in identity, consumer identity, and would help clients clean up their data. Hey, you've got the wrong email matched to this name. You know, these two records are actually one person. This one record actually is two people. The term we used was identity resolution. And, and a big part of the value there, because it's more than just making sure, you know, a file is, is kind of cleaned up and these records are good. Let's, let's drop them in the direct mail or let's, let's send an email or load a digital campaign. What I learned working there was it's very important to have the same definition of a customer in different places. So if you are developing a segment and this is using your first party data and any other data that you have responsibly collected on those consumers, you want to make sure that if you're going to reach them somewhere else, you're using the right identifiers, right? I'm using the right email. I'm using that same kind of consistent up-to-date identity because then all your work kind of gets scattered to the wind if you're not connecting across these different parts of the customer experience. You know, your example of this continuous human connection and this chain, that's a very tough business with all of the data and regulation and rules, um, and it's actually something that's very hot, you know, in the uh, digital marketing, advertising, and analytics space. Is cookies used to be an identity that used to be the human chain that's going away? Will there be an alternative? No, cookies were bad. They were inherently flawed. They're not privacy safe. Could it be something else? Could we use emails? Could we use hashed emails? And I think that the theme is if you can't connect these nodes that are the same person, you're not going to understand the customer journey or their experience with you. And there's a lot of ongoing work there, right? And, and identity and, and understanding that definition of a customer, whether they're part of a segment or not, is an always-on job. And I think some people forget that, right? That underneath this thing, you have to keep checking that it's up to date and, and chugging along on the same accurate data. I think what's going to be fascinating is, you know, five years from now, right, will the data sources still be pitching stuff for the segment they were in, or will they know to mature that model for that user as they develop new habits or develop new hobbies? Just be curious if that evolves, if their data evolves along with the person. That is the question of the day. Is model data versus what we would call deterministic raw data? And you don't have to pick one or the other. Right? I actually think that the modern marketer, the data-driven marketer of today and tomorrow, this is my little prediction here, is going to have to get comfortable with model data, which is 
taking data over time and drawing conclusions from that and kind of scenario planning for the future. This is what happened in the past. They were in this life stage. It's been 10 years. Maybe they're ready for the house. Maybe they're ready for a renovation project, right? Then there is the hard data you have that says, wait a second, I'm looking at their household wealth data. They can't afford a house right now. So even though the model says it's time and most people would fit into this box, I have data over here that I have validated that says subtract or suppress these 10,000 people. That's a privacy safe group. I'm not looking at individuals, but they meet a certain criteria or they are below a threshold where if you presented them with this offer or this experience or said it's time to buy a new house, it would fall flat, right? Because they can't afford it. And that's a negative experience. Or, hey, we're super excited. You've been traveling a ton. Here's your offer for the new travel card or your pair of skis or snow jacket, right? When it hits, it's fantastic. When it's off, they kind of forget about you, right? So the old tricks of we'll just follow you around and you visited this one site for shoes. We'll show you the shoes for the rest of your life. Um, obviously, that's going away. But what data sources are reliable so that you can maintain that kind of authentic relationship? And it's it's hard. Even even the best intentions lead to kind of wobbly experiences uh, with customers. Well, time will tell. Yeah. Well, as it comes to this year's data trends and this great conversation, we got this. Do, 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 do. Do 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 do. You got this. Do 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 do. Thank you, MC Hammer. Which perhaps he can't touch this, but today we touched upon interesting and helpful things to keep in mind on our digital journey. Thanks to Wikipedia, Lyrics.com, Gartner, and Andrew Artemenko. Andrew, where can listeners find you on the socials? I am mostly on LinkedIn these days. If you can spell my last name, Artemenko, A R T E. M-E-N-K-O, then you can find me on LinkedIn. Excellent. All right, you Cool Cat Podcast listeners, are you positioning your business to engage the data analysts, giving them the right tools for innovation and upskilling your teams to have your business syncing? OBV can help with the data tool and portfolio reviews, management assessments, and provide recommendations and blueprints for the path forward. Let us know what you think. Get in touch at openingbellventures.com or email us directly here at digitalninjas at openingbellventures.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to this podcast, repost, and like this episode. As always, we appreciate you every day of the week. See you on the next episode. Bye-bye.